Please be advised, the following program contains some adult themes and content. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. I'm Mick Fanning and this is 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Yes, good evening and welcome to yet another edition of the greatest non-sports sports radio show on the planet. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Time for the Jack Link's Beef Jerky 365 Days of Sport radio show. Got some disappointing news to report, Beef. Really? I'm having serious doubts about me making the Australian Open. Oh, really? Yeah. What's happened, Rob? Yeah, well, it's, it's always good to have a good old-fashioned pipe dream, isn't it? A good solid pipe dream. That yep. you can just have floating out there. Are you not but believing, I, Rob? Well, I'm just doing the same thing every round, Beef. Yeah? For, for like six in a row now. Well, just do it differently. I'm, I'm, That's insanity. I'm hitting like 83s, 84s, 85s, 86. And yeah. I have like seven pars, two birdies, four doubles, two triples, and a couple of bogeys. Have you got a and, coach, Rob? Don't, I play with good golfers today. They're okay. on threes and fours. Yeah, yeah. And and the guys I've played before, every time I finish a round, everyone goes, because I'm currently officially on a 13. Okay. Which is like a 10 or 11 or 9 at our course, to about a 10. Right, okay. And everyone, I finished that, and they're like, they're like, oh, mate, you're not going to be on a 13 for long. You're not oh. gonna, yeah, yeah. After every Positives. round. Positives. Start, Positives. Yeah, there's so many shots, and like, you'll be, you won't be, you know, this. Yeah. They can see the great golfer that's there, Beef, is what I'm saying. Okay. The great golfer, the, Rob? The, the greatness. The, the Australian Open quality golfer. Right, okay. They he's can in, see it. He's in there. He can see he's it. He's in there somewhere. You can see it. Like, this guy can hit it. He can hit a ball. There's a Gary oh, player. I, oh, I didn't mention this last Friday. Right. I was playing with, I was playing with these older lads yep. who were in their late 50s. There's the 15th hole, which is the one that I've been trying to drive the green for ages. Okay. Three, it's 300 metres. Right. I hadn't been driving that great. It was okay, but I hit this one. It was, it was a bullet. Dead straight. It didn't draw. It didn't fade. It was just straight. dead straight. Wow. And punished. Absolutely punished. And I was, and I was like, okay, this is, this is the day it's going to get on. This is going to get on. Because it just goes over the hill a bit. You can't see. Okay. Uh, and the other guys, the other guys, nah, that won't, nah, it'd be 10, 15 short. 10, right. I, was, I didn't say this. They were all discussing amongst themselves. And I was like, that's, that's going to be on lads. I can tell that had something that was a next level. Next level. Sure. Enough, we get down there, we get over the rise and, and I, I can see my balls already on the green. Right. And they're, and they're, they sort of stop and they go, who's that on the green? And I just don't, don't say anything. They go, is that you, Rob? And I was just like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And they're just like. Oh my Jesus! That they were mouths open. Wow. And Alain, the French lad, he's just like, "Oh, you you drive the green?" He's like, "Yeah, I play here twenty years. I I never see this. Wow, never in twenty years. I'm just like, yeah, that's how it works, boys. And then that's you six putted for uh, a triple I was, bogey. Oh, I sort of joked. I sort of said, "Oh yeah, here comes the four putt." But yeah. uh, no, I did two putt from, and it was a long two putt as well. Ooh. So uh, it was a good birdie, and so um, th- there's some special stuff there. Beef. There's some. I-, I can do things that other people can't do. Good, like that, um, like Jonah Lomu. Really, he could he could do things that. Right. Other- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. So okay. I've gone from saying I can't make the Australian Open to now comparing my golf to, to Jonah, Jonah Lomu as a rugby player. Right. Similar, you know, he was sort of the greatest attacking player in the history of rugby ever. Still is probably, and I've just compared myself to him yeah. in terms of my. Weekend or weekday golfing at Yarra Bend. Right. Uh, past 70. So I reckon you're yeah. left handed. You're a New Zealander. Yeah. 
I think we should get Bob Charles on the case, Rob. But, well, Bob, he's a bit far away. He's a, yeah. bit, a bit old too. But they, they do have coaches at the thing. All I need is someone to just get me hitting the ball straight off the tee. All That's I, it. All I need is a miracle. Because I'm, I'm, all I need is you. Last two rounds, I hit two fairways. What, between the two rounds? On each round. On each round. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's not, not good. good enough. Nah, get out the two iron, Rob. I don't, I broke it about oh, 18 years ago. <laughs> oh, I didn't do anything ridiculous. It just broke. Who was that? Who was the guy the who was iron. the master of the one iron? He's, like, nobody has um, a one iron anymore. But somebody... well, Tiger was good at it for a long oh, time. He? With a stinger. Right. Um, there was a one iron there master. There was a one iron guy. It might have been Payne Stewart. Someone like that. It was, it was a, definitely in the 90s. Davis Love? Because they had a big um, thing. The one iron made a big comeback in the 90s. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. But in, in my full ping set, I had a two iron. But yeah, right. I've, I've got actually still. I've got a three iron. I it's, never ever ever hit it. I don't know. I reckon four. it's a it's a toss up between Payne Stewart or Davis Love. I don't know. I, that's not ringing a bell for me. No, okay, but somebody did, didn't they? Yeah. Well, don't worry. You got a golf question in your quiz tonight. Oh, again, so, yeah. I love golf, but not from that time. What the golden era? Current day. Oh, great. Okay, well, that's me gone for the quiz. But I've, I've brought it out. I was gonna, I'm, you're going to be able to take from the top 20. I've been that kind on it. Top 20? Yeah. All righty. Rob, we've got loads of stuff to get through. Well, right? I figured when I didn't loads get, get the stuff. call. No, I've done my horse I, racing call. I've got that. I have got your horse racing. I haven't listened to it. I listened, well, I listened to the first 10 seconds to make sure it was okay. Uh, I hope yours is better this week. I haven't done one. I'm going to be honest with you. You I didn't for- do it. Totally forgot. The only time oh, I remember You had to improve on last week because yeah, I, I, really. I mean, I haven't heard it back yet, but to my memory, it was actually disastrously bad beef. The same for effects. The, for, for someone who's a, a, is a very good rugby commentator and commentator in general, mm. no, that wasn't the sound effects. It was your, it was your tone. Oh, really? It's like you were just in the, in the night of the nice fun time on the Sunday. Oh, well, and, I was and, having a nice and, fun and, time. And doing your impression of the, the dog races. Two goes to four, then three goes to the other. that sort of vibe. You, well, I, I couldn't, there was a lack of vigour. Oh, right. Never have I heard you do any sort of voice, uh, what's the word? Projection? Pro- voice projection yeah. with no vigour, especially around sport. It's like your board as can be. Okay, well that probably sums it up. <laughs> the horse racing, I reckon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I reckon I'm a shoeing for the British dogs, though. Right. We, we, we went, yeah, we I, you, you were nearer what, what, when I've heard the British dogs, the lack of enthusiasm yeah. and just run-of-the-mill lazy calling. Lazy. Really. That's probably a good word for it, lackadaisical. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I didn't do it this week. I've totally forgot. Did you happen to catch the Queen Elizabeth um, no. race? The fact that I have very little interest in it probably was the cause of my not being able to remember I had to do a horse racing call. Yeah, well, the, this field was is a, is a fantastic field. And, and I will say this straight out, the wet, the heavy track properly ruined the race. Oh, did it? This year, oh, yeah. That's a shame. People were saying, oh, this, all these races are going to have a little asterisk next to them. Ugh. Heavy 10s. It's the nature of the beast, Rob. But they, they, this is crazy heavy. They, they, were, they were borderline going to have to cancel it. Really? It was that wet? Yeah, well, it's been raining in Sydney for four months. Yeah, they're sand-based tracks, so they train well. Well, the Ranwick, Ranwick one, can, but this is going week after week after yeah. week. Rose Hill got cancelled the other weekend. Oh, they had to run at Newcastle on the Monday. And all of a sudden, you know, these big races just like, well, this has ruined the race. Do you know years ago, oh, you said they re-ran it, didn't they? And, yeah. Uh, they re- but at Newcastle or something. Yeah. Um, years ago when I was working with the uh, Victorian Greyhound people. What? When were you doing this? When I was in synthetic grass, Rob, we p- put a proposal that we could build a synthetic grass dog track. I think you might have right? told me this once. There, and the guy that was running uh, Grand Victoria said, 
if they have a meeting cancel, it's pretty rare with dogs they have mm. a meeting cancel because they do run on sand. Yeah. It costs the industry $3 million. Mm. Just one meeting. Yeah. Through betting revenue and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, you can imagine what it's like for a horse race meeting. Oh, yeah. If a dog meeting, be it a Tuesday night at sale or a Saturday at uh, the Meadows, yeah. you can imagine what a Saturday afternoon horse racing well, meeting that um, gets rained look, off will cost the industry. Why do you think they kept it going through the whole COVID? Well, that's exactly right. Thought it didn't stop. Wasn't mm. it great? I don't know. I didn't see any of it. You disappoint me, Beef. The only race Very disappointing. Seen in the past two years yeah. is... The one we had a commentator on last weekend. That's the only horse race I've seen. That includes yeah, the Melbourne Cup. Even accidentally. Cup. I don't never turn it on. I don't. I just don't understand beef. I really, this disappoints me. Sorry, man. Very sorry. Well, anyway, I look forward to anyway, my it call. Was a, it's pretty good. It was a bumper weekend of sport. There was a Formula One race on, rain the corner. Hawthorne got beaten by 80 points. Is that all? Yeah. 80 points. Who did yeah. they lose to? St Kilda. They're not supposed to lose to by 80 to St Kilda. St Kilda's in fourth. Are they? Yeah. Okay, shows how much I know. I um, did watch an Aussie Rules game the other day. Brisbane yeah. won. They beat North Melbourne by about 150 the other week. And I thought... All right, that's me done. Yeah, yeah. Did did uh, Formula One? Um, did uh, Ferrari win? Yes, they did. Oh, I thought so. I thought I heard that. Yeah, Leclerc. Who's De- people think he's French, De- but Clerc? he's not. Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. He's from Monaco. He's actually from Monaco, which is a bit weird. Not that former president of South Africa. Not uh, the guy who let uh, what was Mandela he called? In. CJ De Klerk? No, F W y- Yanni. F W De Klerk. He is was. That what it was? Yes. I thought it would be Yanni for short. Yanni. He's probably a Francois. Yeah, probably is. Francois de Klerk. Anyway, don't know what he's up to at the minute. Well, I mean, look, Formula One's great. It's the first race of the season, isn't it, Melbourne? It used to be. Not wow. anymore. They've had two. Uh, they went to, uh, where do they go first? But I think they did Bahrain and Qatar Okay, were the first two. Yeah, there are a lot of people coming in the, uh, the Romsey into the shop who are getting set up for their big Sunday sesh watching, right. the, watching the F1. And a lot of them have been to the days prior. They and were like, going, oh, it's a great, isn't it a great one? And this guy was saying his whole, he grew up his whole life since he's five years old watching Formula One. He loved it. And then when the, it was announced that he found it was going to be a race in Melbourne, yeah. he just went mental. And he oh. goes every year now. Right. So he's gone every year for, since 1996 or whenever it first came. It's uh, 27th year or something, they were saying. I yeah. think, I don't know, I can't remember. 1996, I think it was the That's first That's what game. I just said. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. Well, I'm glad we got there, Beef. Yeah, 26 years. Yeah, 27 Mathematics. Years. Ah, our man Ricardo finished six. Yeah. It's not bad for him at the mini. Uh, Renault. Renault. No, McLaren he's in now. McLaren. He moved to McLaren, yeah. Yep. They had 420,000 people through the gates over the four days. Decent. It's pretty, uh, pretty big. It's good work. The racing's not great, though. I'm going to be honest. The, the track. Just the racing. Formula 1 racing in general isn't great. People go mad for it. And it's just not fantastic. One of the comments was, it's not as loud as it used to be. Definitely isn't as loud as it used to be. Uh, I used to be able to, when I was in Caulfield, I could hear the hear Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. We, well, in the old days, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to hear it from Northcote, no. I don't think. I reckon go they got quiet about five years ago. when They they used to run V12s or V10s, and they were quite loud. Imagine what it's going to be like when it's electric cars. Yeah. Shh, shh, shh. I, don't you reckon it'll just ruin it altogether? Yep. There's an electric bike circuit now. Yeah. To, like electric bikes. Yeah, it's just the lamest thing you've seen. Yeah, yeah. It's quick, but... It, Apparently the riders hate it because they can't hear bikes coming up on the inside or the outside. It is. They make moves and they didn't see them because bikes have no mirrors. You can't they look keep, They're going to be like sidling up all the time. Mm, like it's a, like that guy like a in... a Scooby-Doo um, film. Well, no, it's the Seinfeld episode with the sidler. 
So oh. there was a guy who just all of a sudden would just appear behind them all the time. So someone gave him all, he always had this change in his pocket. Right. Loose change so they could hear him coming and he wouldn't sidle up on you. Oh, okay. Give him some keys. Yeah. Something um, like that. So, so he might put some of the spoky dokes on the opposition's bikes. <laughs> yeah, that's what they need. Yeah. Perhaps they need some white noise to go with it. Although those would spin so fast, the spoky dokes will always be on the outside. Yeah, they would actually. Apart from that, anything else, Robert? Anything? Well, no, I'm just kind of hanging out, Bolo Romsey. I'm just uh, doing my golf, and I'm just yeah. uh, just keeping a should we go pretty s- simple. Should we just uh, life go um, straight into your? Should we hear a lot your of golf? golf? Because it's going to be out the. Uh, there's nothing else we've got to talk about, really. Let's we hear it. The so Queen we'll Elizabeth. play Queen Elizabeth stakes. What distances is? Or do they two thousand? Do... Of course, I tell you how far. Oh, it is. Okay, you I'm didn't pretty, tell us. Oh, maybe didn't tell us last week. Pretty sure I, I was the only one to give some background information last week. Anyway, this is. Is uh, Rob's call of the Queen what, Elizabeth. Let's go the race and not all that beforehand. Sorry, man. All in now, waiting to jump. Red light. Here we are, and racing in the Queen Elizabeth 2022. Monophilia has gone forward, looking good just inside Azaki. Just back behind them is Dallasan, who's taken up a rails position in third. Outside of them, uh, three wide, four wide, with no cover, is Think It Over. And just back to the outside of them is uh, further back in fifth spot, Animo, who's back to I Am Thunderstruck on the rail. Another link back to Very Elegant. And then Mount Popper, and Duace has taken up a spot at the rear. 1,600 to go now, and then uh, Zaki is driven forward to get a spot on the rail in first position. Just behind him back is uh, Think It Over, and further back to Montefilia, and then Dallasan on the rail. Animo charging along in fifth spot outside of I'm Thunderstruck, and the next pair back is Very Elegant and Mount Popper, and uh, Duace at the rear. No real intent to sort of make a huge dash at it at this point in time. Uh, approaching the 1,000 metres, though, they may just look to change their mind as Zaki does exactly that and starts to pick up the pace a bit now. Uh, think it over, still just hanging in inside of him. No change to the order. Delisane on the rail in third spot. Fourth outside of him is Montefilia. I am Thunderstruck on the rail and fifth outside of him is Animo. And further back to Very Elegant, who's starting to make a move now and drive up outside of Animo to take a midfield position. Mount Popper's still behind them and Duace at the rear. Approaching the 800 now, and here comes Zaki. He's making a move. He's starting to quicken up the pace. Thinking it over is hanging in with him out just outside. Further back outside of Thinking it over is Montefilia. Four wide, though, outside with Dallasan in between runners. High and Thunderstruck driving through on the rail into fourth spot. Behind them, Animo and Very Elegant. Duace at the rear of Mount Popper trying to make a rails run following High and Thunderstruck through on the rail. Zaki's out with 400 to go. Takes the lead into the straight. Think it over is darting right across it to the grandstand side. Making a move to find some drier ground. But it's Zaki with 300 to go. Making a move. He's still well in front. They're all trying but not getting a whole lot of momentum from the rear. Think it over. However, on the outside is flying. He's having a move at Zaki. Zaki's clear. It's Think it over and Zaki. Think it over. He's got to get there. Think it over is a champion. The Queen Elizabeth... At 34 to 1, my word, what a boil over. Huge rails run by Nashville Willow. What a, give the jockey a medal, my word, to bring it over to the grandstand side there. My gosh, that is a phenomenal run from thinking over the 34 to 1 boil over. Zaki was good enough for second, back to Mount Popper in third. And Dallasan got off for fourth mile. She's be paying some big dollars that first four, I tell you. Very elegant, couldn't make much ground there. Animo dropped right out to finish last. 
and uh, who else was back with them who didn't quite make it? Due ace, no impression either from the rear, the young three-year-old starter. Look at this ride from, oh, my word. I didn't, this is blowing my multi completely. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Well, of course, I needed my old mate, very elegant, to get up there. Oh, did you? But they, it was quite strong. I, I was sort of, I felt like they jogged the first thousand metres. So that all the leaders had way too much in the tank. But that think it over is terrible on wet tracks. Oh. And um, so there was natural side. The only chance I've got is if I just get right out of this rubbish, get it across. And because you should see the angle that he cuts across. So they hit the straight, and he just like go beelines to the grandstand. Well, and okay. so and the others are just sort of cutting up straight. Zaki is sort of slowly going wider, yeah. is realizing the ground's better on the outside, but it's it's too late. And, and think it over gets up and. Uh, right. and, and comes over the side there. It's pretty crazy to watch. Okay. It happens in Britain quite a lot where you they get split. They get two packs on the rails yeah. either side the track. But they're off that's generally down the straight though, isn't it? That happens. Oh, you can't do it around the bend. If you're going around the eight side of the bend, you're going way too far. But... Yeah, yeah. But 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 they don't do it in like a longer race. It's if it's up this if it's a, it's all just straight racing they do that. Yeah, generally seven Because that happens at Flemington in the in the sprints. Oh does it? Mm. That's what happened, I told you in the new market this day you weren't paying attention. Beef with all the New Zealand horses were in the inside and they all went faster than I remember Australian that was. now. Now you remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me. How, you, you should know race. that anyway. If you used to, I can't believe you used to own horses. <laughs> yeah, I did. Seven. Seven horses. Seven horses I've had uh, ownership of, yeah. Okay. Um, Not interested now, huh? I haven't See, got any this... money, Rob. I'm skinned. <laughs> if you've got no money, yeah. I think horse racing is basically uh, it's at the window. It's a non-entity, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it passes the time. Well, that's true. Well, at the moment, I'm working while it's on, sort of thing. Yeah. So, so you could, do you have it on in the bottle shop all day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, here's some horse racing news from New Zealand, Rob. Yep. Trainer facing ban after she and her horse test positive for meth. That they test the trainers. Well, a horse trainer who tested positive for meth says she never set out to harm a horse, which also tested positive for meth. Uh, Rochelle Lockett so, is looking... So, but who was originally uh, being tested here? Like, it's a what, great question. I what? will they read don't the need story. to test the trainers. They just, they just tell them... They don't ride the... I mean, they ride them a bit at, at training, but not on the in the actual thing. The, uh, surely the jockeys get Rochelle tested. Lockett is looking at being banned from the racing industry for as long as five years, but any disqualification could be suspended if she gets clean. B. Flexi, a four-year-old mare she trained, tested positive for meth after winning at the Otaki Maori Racing Club meeting in Otaki in January. She told investigators she used meth on a very casual basis, having taken the drug months before the race. But the urine sample she gave, as well as hair follicle tests, showed she was a she was an habitual user of the drug. Uh, the float used to transport B. Flexi was swabbed, with the area around the driver's seat also testing positive for meth. Apparently, it's happening before in New Zealand. I'm not ticklish. Apparently, ah. trained by Manawatu trainer Tracy Newton tested positive for meth. But this case is more serious, as apparently Rochelle was not open to how B. Flexi managed to get meth in its system. Mm. Ooh. There was that no suggestion gone in the house for that a bit. B. Flexi was drugged on purpose because betting activity for the race was not unusual, but Lockett's denial of the extent of her meth use warranted a significant punishment. Not only does it undermine the integrity of the racing industry, but also has risks to the horse, said Mr. Grimstone, who is, uh, I don't know who Mr. Grimstone Some is. Some sort of judgment. He's some, yeah, um, some administrator. Mediator. Apparently there is clearly no place for it in racing, especially exposing animals to meth. 
Mm. So there you go. I was going to say the moral of the story really is... Don't do don't, meth. It could be that. Don't give horses meth. If you want to munt yourself, that's your choice. I wonder if it's a um, performance... Enhancing. Uh, enhancer. Ah, well, this came up, of course, when, when Ben Cousins was, was going through his because yeah, yeah, yeah. he was on the old pingers. He was. And, of course, the, the uppers would be, uh, I would give one sort of a lift. That's, of course, what the, the Beatles used to do in the early days when they were all playing in Hamburg and they'd do eight-hour, ten-hour sets. And they were basically giving them, the climbers would give out and basically giving them speed so they could right. keep going. Well, we so it must speed, give you some sort of energy lift, I'd speed imagine. Speed is definitely a performance but, enhancer um, short term because it gets you on edge, gets you like... Well, that. Well, I think that's why I reckon meth will probably be... Because that's also probably. an upper. Okay. I reckon the tougher one would be maybe a heroin or something. If you did a heroin or yeah. if you did a, um, I don't know, one of those downer ones, LSD. If the horse is on LSD, I reckon that would be, um, be not performance enhancing at all. Well, we can't say that on this show, Rob, because we know... That, uh, what's he called, Doc, uh, who was the pitcher from... Uh, Doc Ellis. Doc Ellis was on LSD, pitched a no-hitter. Well, that's true. Not, I, I don't I think would he suggest, knew what he was doing. No, I would suggest that the effects on a horse would be more severe than a human. Because uh, a human would have some capacity to at least acknowledge, okay, I've taken LSD. Yeah. Whereas a horse is pretty innocent. It just it would probably just think it's lost its mind and do mental things, start kicking people and maybe run backwards or something. Mm. And, uh, or just go a sort of a... It might imagine that it's got like Falcor off the never-ending story and start flying up into the air. What, what was this horse's name in the never-ending story? Is it Trey used the kid? Falcor's the dog dragon. And then he's got his horse is called um, Ashtar or something. Don't know, you're not talking my language here, Rob. Artex. I like It's sport, called Artex. Like he's going to imagine he's Artex off the never-ending story, and, he, and when he takes all those drugs and he goes flying about, probably knock into uh, old uh, Dogmatic's um, Falcor up there while okay. he's up there. And then the nothing wipes them all out, and they get swept off, and this, the stone man with the hands weren't strong enough to hold this little snail bloke and all that. He had a bit of a shocker. So that's what happens if horses take LSD. You can do that next week, Rob, in uh, Rob's film review. Never ending story. If it's not want. really sporting. I watched one today, it could have been considered <laughs> Did sporting. You? Right. But um, it was a bit mental. Right? Really mental, actually. What was it called? I can't remember. Who no, was it? No, nowhere to run or so, nowhere to. Uh, it was the Australian actress, Samara Weaving. Oh, Hugo, Hugo's, any relative? Yeah, uh, niece. I niece? Think. Yeah. Okay. She was in, I think she was in Home and Away or one of oh, them. Oh, was she? And the only other famous person was, um, what's the name of Four Weddings and a Funeral? Uh, the American, you know, she was in Groundhog Day. Got the curly hair. Well, was, anyway, she was sort of a big, she was kind of a minor role in this. Anyway, oh. she got her head beaten in with a box. Oh, okay. Um, and it was so, a sports film, you say? Well, it was a whole, no, but it, it had a game in it. <laughs> okay. it. It was based around a game of hide and seek. Yeah, right. yeah, but it turned out this family was mental. So this got married, this lady, okay. and then and this is it's actually the most ridiculous pres- precedent like I've ever precipice I've ever heard of. It's the stupidest idea. I, I sometimes marvel. This is another one I don't understand how it got across the line because yeah. it's and get a good cast and good production. Um, and it was on Disney actually. So the and the idea is after this guy gets married to his wife, who's Samara Weaving from midnight. They have to, the tradition is they play a game, a right. family game, and there's some box, you pull the card out, and all the games are basically regular games, but if you get 
hide and seek. Yeah. The version of hide and seek is the person who's trying to hide, if she's found, they kill that person. Okay. And it's to protect them from some stupid curse that's been placed on the family or something. And it's just this well, it's insane. Well, they keep murdering people. And, th- and they're in this great big house with all these secret doors and everything because they're very wealthy. This Samara Weaving goes through hell trying to escape them. Well, and uh, yes. But then the, the her husband is trying to help her because he doesn't want, you know, there's the moral dilemma of upholding the family tradition because apparently if they don't kill the bride by sunrise, they all die. Sounds like a great film. It, it was pretty, it was a real waste of time, actually. <laughs> Welcome to honest. my life, bro. Yeah, but it was just after golf this morning. I was a bit tired. I was having a coffee and I just thought I'll put something stupid on for a okay. bit. It was only an hour and 20 minutes. All right. Yeah. There's another one called Tag. Yeah, I sort of. I, I know I've heard of Tag. Yeah, which is based on a true story about these blokes that have been playing Tag for twenty years. Okay, so that's quite. It's quite a funny film, actually. Um, anyway. I, I maybe I'll give that a go. Yeah, that was amazing. on something at some point. Oh, was it? Can't remember what that. It's called Nowhere to Some Nowhere to well, Run well, or no, Nowhere to Hide, maybe or. Are we just warning people not to watch it? Uh, how many stars, hackers? How many hackers, Rob? Two. Two hackers. Comedy. Pretty violent, though. Comedy. If you like, it's pretty, yeah, sort of oh. a horror, really. What up? Same old, same old. You? Fifty Shades of Greys. Nice. <laughs> hey, did you hear the news about Bridget? She's making her way around Australia. For reals? Yeah, she's everywhere. Barbecues, footy, even camping. Well, sounds like she's flat out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. One day, bro. One day. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. Hi, I'm Andy Simpson. I'm listening to 365 Days of Sport. If you hear this song, you know it won't be long till the game is up and you're out of the cup. Beefy and Rob, did it done? The FA Cup chimers, chimers, chimers. How can I just keep forgetting that this is... Uh... <laughs> anyway, Rob, we're up to the semi-finals, Manchester City. Semi-finals. That's, what a journey it's been, Beef. What a journey. Started way back in the first qualifying round with Murphytown, and now we're at the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big game. Two, I was going to say the biggest. They're probably not the biggest. They're the best clubs in yeah. England at the moment. Probably, possibly even the world. Yeah. Manchester City, who we're on. We are taking on. Taking on Liverpool. But- and strangely enough... Just this weekend, they yep. played in the league. How, how'd it go? It was two all. Okay. So they drew. So that's no form. It's almost a decider, really, isn't it? Well, there's seven games to go in that league. So uh, I know, but, but, but it sort of feels like it could be a revenge match. It's a warm up. It's a, it's a warm up a, for the big one. It's a warm up also. Anyway, Rob, Manchester City, the club, didn't help us out again. Yep. So I've delved deep into the world of football supporters. Right. And I've managed to get the president of the Manchester City Supporters Club of Australia. So Fantastic. he's pretty big. He's a big name in the world of Manchester City. Certainly. <laughs> Alan Howarth. Thanks, Al. Thanks for joining us and uh, appreciate your time. I know it's a bit late on a uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, it's okay. No problems, PC. No worries at all. So, Al, obviously it was a league game on Sunday night. Did you go to the pub? Did you stay up or did you uh, just sneakily uh, just uh, replay it Monday morning? No, I didn't go to the pub because I was in Tasmania at my parents mm. in Hobart to visit, to visit my uh, father. He's not not so good at the moment, but... Uh, 
uh, I watched the game uh, obviously on television from his house. Um, so yeah, I, I watched it. But usually I go to the Imperial because I, I do help run the uh, Melbourne supporters branch from Manchester City Football Club. Uh, I, I usually go in there, which is where I'll be for the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah, it, well, it's a big one. I mean, like I said, we it was two all in the Premier League on the weekend, so that form doesn't really give us any indications of uh, the FA Cup. But I hate to say it, it's a cup match. Anything could happen. Anything can happen in the FA Cup, to be honest with you. We know there's a game last week that City should have won with the amount of good chances they had. Uh, and from the, from the looks of what the game was like, I would say City were the better of the two teams, but they missed too many chances. We'll, we'll see. So, but Liverpool haven't beaten City since 2018 now. So, if you're talking about form as far as playing against Liverpool recently, in the last four years, City have not lost against Liverpool. Mm. So, we'll see. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I didn't realise that. I have to say, I did watch the game uh, on Sunday night here. The first half was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the pace, the crowd, everything else. I've got to say, the second half was, well, after Liverpool scored, pretty pedestrian, actually. But it was a letdown after the first half because it was absolutely sensational, I've got to say. Yeah, it was a good... It was a good. It was first half. City played very, very well. Liverpool didn't really. We didn't see really Liverpool till I would say the first fifteen, twenty minutes of the second half. And the City should have, you know, the lack of a striker that City have at the moment. And since Sergio's uh, left the club and he didn't play the last year because of injury, we've not replaced uh, him yet as far as a striker. The lack of a number nine. I think really affects us as far as scoring goals are concerned. But the way we play, we play with a false nine. Uh, we still create a lot of chances. But if it uh, to me, and a lot of City fans are also the same thing. If we'd have had a proper number nine, we'd have won quite easily. I think at the weekend. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Really, it's uh, it's one of those things, and it? it's. I yeah. mean, you get all these foreign managers in the Premier League, and they all got these different ideas about mm. playing without strikers and everything else. But at the end of the day, goals win matches correct they do they do and you know on the possession and and the stats you know you would have thought City would have won but against Liverpool they're a quality team and they've got a quality manager that likes City have the same as well um we're not necessarily best friends with their fans but uh, you, you you know I do respect the team and the manager that they've got and not necessarily the fans now judging by your accent Al you're a local to uh, Manchester what what brought you up on the blue side instead of the red side oh that was my father my father, I started watching City from the age of, from 1971. I went to my first game against Coventry City at Main Road, at the old Main Road, uh, and then literally went ever since. I emigrated to Australia in 2007, just before the shake came in. And I go back every year. I still have a season card there at, uh, at the Etihad as it is now. And that I rent that season card out to a relation of the family and uh, they go with that but I st- I've been I, I went to the dark days and when we got relegated all down the divisions went home and away and then continued that right through us so I've been through the dark days mm-hmm. as well as the uh, the glory years as I like to call it do you viciously hate Manchester United so yes <laughs> good but I've, I've begun to realize though if we're talking about Manchester United why Manchester United hate Liverpool and it's the fans that they don't that, that they don't like and it's We've now become to realise that Liverpool, as I call it, entitlement of their fans. We we now have the same sort of rivalry and attitude towards them as United do. But uh, I've got quite a few friends who was teased at school, as you can imagine, mm. by United fans. So we don't particularly like them, even though I've got friends who I used to work with and go to schools and neighbours and etc. So my father was 
responsible for me being a City fan, and he's he's hardcore like I am. Are the, f- are the fans different from the firms? Yeah, the, the firms. The firms, to be honest with you, have died out a long, long time ago in right. the eighties. Right. Yeah, they, you know, they, they, you've, you've all seen the Green Street type films on on television, etc. Yeah. That tends to be from the eighties and and a bit of probably the nineties. That's died out now with, with the with the grounds having so much security and CCD cameras, etc. It's not as bad as that anymore. But like you say, if you uh, it's like it's like anywhere in the world, if you look for trouble, you'll always find some. So but yeah. that doesn't tend to happen anymore, to be honest with you. But the rivalry is still there. Oh, the, the hatred is still there. Always. I was there. I was there, if, you, if you're asking, if you're asking me, I was there as a young lad with my uncle at Old Trafford when United were relegated, when Dennis Law back healed it in '75. And it was that was quite enjoyable to see them get relegated by, by Man City. Still enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great day. A great day. And now, I was there for the Aguero moment in yeah. 2012. I flew back for the last three games, and that was an enjoyable journey coming back. But it, it nearly wasn't. But an incredible finish. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I was in uh, I was in the UK when that happened as well. I uh, I was with staying with an ardent Manchester United fan, and uh, the. Uh, uh, the fun and frivolity of the day it was like somebody let a, you know popped a balloon there and a bloody big balloon because uh, yeah i made me exit it, fairly it, it was City didn't play well that day and I remember kicking the seat in front of me in the Colin Bell stand I was watching that game with my dad next to me and, and swearing and carrying on that we were 2-1 down with I guess the 10-man QPR we actually played awful until the last five minutes and uh, then to see that turn around and when Aguero scored I kissed everyone around me I was in floods of tears a grown man in floods of tears and ended up three rows in front of where I was sat kissing everybody and screaming as loud as I could it was incredible feeling incredible feeling would have been of, it was it, it literally was 35 years of hurt and, and typical city uh just gone away in one second when sergio scored that goal incredible moment now you briefly mentioned the uh the emiratis that are part of the city group setup has the sense of community gone out the window now that their you know money is no object um no because i've been through the dark days so i've deserved to see mm-hmm. what's happened i've been through the yeah, torture yeah. as i might as i might call it don't get me wrong since the premier league i've got the tv on and with sky tv and and, and the digital tv over here with, with optus now as it is and it's gone worldwide the money's coming as well mm-hmm. with the shape coming in he's turned the club around but i look at it like this. people don't realize how much the shape has done for the city of manchester as well he's he's not only spent on the club and the infrastructure and the players but he's built 6,000 council houses around near the ground for the community. He's, b- he's built infrastructure around the east side of Manchester that you would not believe. All the big skyscrapers in Manchester now, they only used to have uh, two. They've now got something like 16 skyscrapers and developments within the city centre. He's funded all that. Um, it's all come from him. And Manchester United fans don't have a go at, at him too much now because they know what he's done for the city. He's turned their whole area from, a, from a, literally a dump into uh, something uh, pretty special over there. He's done a lot for the city of Manchester, um, not just football club. So yeah, I know what you're saying about football has changed. It's changed a lot 
since the Division 1, Division 2 days when it's come on digital TV. So, yeah, people do think it's more different now. It's about money. But that's the game now, unfortunately. It's every club spent money to win it. You name your club that didn't spend money to, to win it. Leicester City spent £170 million that year. They won it. So they've all spent money to win it. United spent a lot of money when they won it. Liverpool did the same in the 70s and 80s. They spent more money than anybody else and, and still won it. So it's always been that, that way. Yes, not as much. But if you ratios it, ratios it down, it's about the same. And, and football is a very, very big, big, big business now, isn't it? Mm. Especially commercially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> City have grown by and buying clubs around the world now. And mm. that's how they've grown to make the revenues that they've made. So yeah. Yeah, there is a little bit of bitterness from some of the clubs who don't like it. But, you know, football's in cycles. It won't last forever at City as far as being successful. We all know that. Yes, we won the lottery. We know that. And we accept that. But it won't last forever, will it? So, you know, we're riding the wave at the moment. And, yeah, well, so are we. You know, if, yeah. if, it lasts, if, it, if, it lasts, if it lasts for another five years, there's going to be a day when it doesn't happen. Mm. And while it's happened, we're going to enjoy it. Well, I mean, this is obviously the FA Cup chimers segment. So we're very much chiming in on this for this yeah. particular segment of the show. But I actually personally, Alan, I, I don't have my own official Premier League team. So if I right now yeah. was to say, I, I reckon officially my team is Man City. I've been leaning that way would that would i be welcome with open arms as part of the man city community or you like you're chiming in you got to do some time you haven't suffered Uh, the 35 years of rubbish i've been through this is disingenuous yeah yeah. we we have a saying that city fans that it's cityitis where we uh, we're the king of cock-ups that's what they used to be okay (laughs) and um now it seems to have gone a little bit the other way Mm -hmm. um but the older city fans always think that way, and we all we all say when we get a few Aussies coming into the pub, and what was it like? We we get them to watch the old right. city things to, okay. to make sure that they that they feet their feet sit on the ground, and mm-hmm. I think, well, hang on, we we've come from a mid a mid sized Premier League side. We've always been a big club as far as supporters are concerned, uh, and understand the past, don't just understand the future. At the end of the day, when Liverpool fans start saying that. Uh, people say, oh, we're not a big club. We won a European trophy before Liverpool Football Club did in 1970. So, you know, Liverpool, and we won the FA Cup before Liverpool. So they have got a history, but even when people say they haven't. Okay. Mm. So I'm welcome, but I need to <laughs> have some awareness of the torture years before I can. So they sort of sound yeah, a bit get, like that yeah, the yeah, AFL, yeah, what Richmond yeah. or Melbourne have kind of been through. Sort of a similar Well, exactly. Co- when I first arrived in Australia, Richmond and Melbourne were the rubbing rags. If there was relegation, mm. they probably got relegated to Division 7 mm-hmm. because they were rubbish, weren't they? Mm. So, but it's like anything else. It, time sort of... You know, suddenly you turn it around and all of a sudden you start winning again. But mm. it, it took a long time for those two clubs, didn't it, in the AFL? Mm. So, well, I'm going to ask about what's your opinion about the FA Cup nowadays? I mean, for me, uh, I'm a similar vintage to you. I, I love the FA Cup, yeah. but mainly because I support a very small club. And mm. we love seeing, you know, the small teams get to take on the big boys. But for the oh, big yeah. boys, does it still matter? For me, it does. Yeah, I'm a traditionalist like yourself. I love the FA Cup, and I always have. It's been devalued rec- uh, over the recent years. Well, we know who started um, that, Al, didn't we? Man United to value bit, yeah, for disappearing to bloody um to Brazil for the World Club Championships, the Mickey Mouse trophy, I call it. Really? Playing against pub teams that we've never even heard of. Um so yeah, it's the FA Cups are very, very big as far as I'm concerned and the city's concerned. Uh, it's been it has been devalued and we do enjoy it when when you know, I remember sitting 
around the radio as it was them days when the FA Cup draw used to come out and you get drawn against. I remember being at Halifax Town at the Shea. At the Shea, yeah, yeah. And I was stood in mud behind the goal and they had, they used to have a speedway like track, a, a dirt track, a dirt track, racetrack round the outside of the ground. And uh, looking over that, and we and we played Malcolm Allison and spent a load of money in '81. 1980, sorry, it was, and we lost one nil, and and they were the bottom of the football league, and we were in, we were in, in in the as first division as the Premier League it is now, and we lost one nil, and they're great days as far as the way the FA Cup should be. The small clubs play the bigger ones, and on the day they can beat them. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I said, I support Newport County, and the, the money from the FA Cup runs that we've had in the last couple of years has kept the club afloat. It's as simple as that. Oh, it's massive because they get 25% of the gate receipts, don't they? For 45. 45% of FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and they get the TV rights split as well. So if you, if you draw a Man United or a Man City or a Liverpool uh, or an Arsenal away from home, then the smaller clubs keep them going for five or six years, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, exactly. And I've always, I've always wondered why the, uh, the AFL have never got to grips with that and said, right, well, we'll bring the VFL in <laughs> and we'll just draw it out of a hat and do a similar thing. Because you just get everyone jumping on a, a Sandringham or a, a Werribee team if they were playing like a Collingwood at the MCG, wouldn't you? Yep. And it's a chance for the, the postman, the bricky electrician to play against their heroes. I think they did it. Yep. I reckon they did it about 10 years ago, but the they, uh, the game started to be in midweek, and so the AFL teams obviously playing Sunday, Sunday, and they didn't want to play their top players in the middle of the week. So right. that's why it yeah. kind of died a death very quickly. I think I reckon you, you feel that's weak, beefy? I think that? it's very weak, Rob. Yep. They should have stuck with it. Uh, yeah. I think these professional sportsmen should have to do something like that. You're talking about a knockout competition. Yeah. And I think it would be a good way for those teams. It's like having the relegation as well. It's, mm. you know, you've got a closed league mentality over here, which is a franchise model which doesn't sit well with me, even in the A-League. And I think there should be a promotion, a relegation system, even in most sports. Don't get me started um, on the but, A-League, Al, because the fact that there's yeah, 12 teams, six uh, teams make the finals, and six teams basically play half a season for absolutely nothing with there's no relegation. Yeah, oh, it drives me insane. I, I, I'm the same as you, mate. I agree 100%. Hmm. It's, uh, it's, 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 definitely, it's like AFL. You get rewarded for, for losing and finishing last. It's bizarre. I yeah. don't get it. I just don't get it. It's. Uh, I've talked to my, my mate, my Australian friends here, and they agree with me on that subject. I think it's daft. Yeah, that that's the way they do it here. And- you know, you just got to join in or forget about it. So it's, it's you know, but as far as the FA Cup's concerned, I'm a traditionist and I love the FA Cup. It's, having the semi-finals at Wembley is not great. The whole idea of going to Wembley should be for the final. It's a day out for the fans as much as anything else. It's the build-up as well. Um, the FA Cup semi-finals shouldn't be at Wembley. It should be at a neutral ground yeah, splitting the, the ground. I know they've had an argument this week about Wembley with Liverpool and, and Man City because they've got train problems getting mm. down to London from the northwest. So it's making it difficult for the fans to get there. Mm. So it's it makes it hard. They should be playing it at Old Trafford, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, they get the no common sense. Seventy nine, seventy five thousand in there. That'll be good enough. But uh, it's the FA now because the FA own Wembley. They want to make the money. You see. Yeah, they so they took ownership of Wembley a few years ago. So they're desperately trying to get a return. Exactly. That's. What they're trying to do, so it's a shame for the fans because it's a long way for them to go, and you, and you can't really go on the train. So we'll, we'll see. But it's a it's a big game against Liverpool. Um, do you try and, and uh, replicate? Do you try and replicate some sort of day down this part of the world? You get to the uh, was it on seven in the morning or something? Uh, it sort of messes things up a bit. Yeah, I don't know what time the kickoff is actually. You have weekend. to start go to the pub at nine p.m. and go right through sort of thing. 
haven't you? Good, it's half past midnight started. Oh, that's a good time. Yeah, we have some um, awful times to watch the games in the Imperial, which we do. You know, we can go to two, three, four o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning, which, you know, I've got been to work so many times now where I've had bags under my eyes in the middle of the afternoon because I've struggled to stay awake um, because I've been up most of the night watching football mm. and I don't miss. So it's, it's one of those things you're going to put with when you emigrate, you see. So it is Manchester City versus Liverpool. That is the first semi-final. We haven't even mentioned Chelsea Crystal Palace. Right. We don't no. have to. No. No. But we'll come to Why that should... in the final, because we're going to get to the final. Alan might not. We will. Oh, certainly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Al, we've got to wish you the best of luck for uh, Saturday night. We will go all the way through the final. We do hope Man City can join us. Let's uh, let's yep. be honest about it. We've had a bit of fun with yourself and Ross, who uh, we had in yeah. the last round. I know, I, know, I know Ross Evans really well. Uh, um, when you uh, snuck the... past yeah. Southampton, wasn't it, in yeah. the last round? Yeah, it was. He's uh, Ross is uh, a local to me, but from from Manchester, local to me now. He's over here with his wife Lucy, who I know really well. I used to work behind the bar at Middleton Cricket Club uh, years and years ago when my dad was cricket chairman. So I know Ross really well, and he used to be the chairman of the supporters branch here right. uh, until he had until he had his son, and obviously time kills that really. And he lives, he does live out in Cheltenham way. Yeah. So but, yeah, Ross is a good lad. Um, I think Ross was planning a trip for the last couple of games of the season as well, and he was trying to get the FA. Cup final and possibly even the Champions League final in uh, C- oh, no. he, he was trying to see how the uh, calendar lined up I'm doing the same if we get through to the Champions League final I will be jumping on a plane do, uh, do Eddie Head give you discounted flights if you drop the old uh, I know Pep in there no, they, they do on the on Etihad flight if you've got a season card, so which I oh, do, and so does, so does Ross. Oh, so we get get ten percent discount on flights. Mm. Right, fantastic. So that's that 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 works quite well for us. But I don't tend to fly with Etihad. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> don't say that. You're on national radio here, yeah, Al. Know, you can't tell people oh, that. I know, I know, I know, I know. I I just tend to go for the best possible deal I can get. So there you go. <laughs> they served beer on the plane really head wouldn't they yeah yeah of course they're course. modern rob modern, yeah yeah modern got a cater i will say one thing about etihad when we won the league in 2012 i was coming back three days after the sergio moment as i call it 93 20 and i was get, i got back I got back to manchester airport checked in with etihad then because i was flying with the etihad and they upgraded me to business class because they had a city topper with champions on the back ah oh, there, there you go so it is so, worth something i was drinking, cha- I was drinking champagne all the way back <laughs> There's a plug. You, you almost sunk the entire company go. for a minute, yeah, but yeah. They, now you've brought it, it came back. back well, yeah, well. Yeah. It came back well. It came well, well. I will say they did that. <laughs> Since you saw the girl laughed behind the counter and said, come with me. That was, was there nice. you go. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we do wish you the best of luck for Saturday night. We, uh, Like I said, we, we saw a bit of a preview last weekend, so we will see hopefully the same scintillating football as we did. Did yeah. in, that, in that first half, I'm going to say in the f- or 50 minutes, I'm going to say. So yeah. with that, I do hope it's the same, the same atmosphere in Wembley. It's a bit tough, as you say, on the weekend. Hopefully, all the fans can get there and uh, sell it out, which will be absolutely yeah. fantastic. We will wait and see. And you're on standby just in case City make yeah. the final. All down to the Imperial, please for the game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, mate, we'll let you get to it. Thank you for your time. You're now part of the 365 Days of Sport family. And uh, sleep well, mate. Sleep well. No worries. Excellent. Take care. Hey, did you hear about Kevin? No. He's in Australia too. Spreading himself a bit thin. Yeah. Everyone wants a slice of Kevin. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hey there, this is John Higgins, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Avalon. 
Sixers. The AFLW is considering a name change. At least two players do not identify as women. So how about it's called AFL-E? AFL for everyone. If the AFL wants to be inclusive, which it says it does, AFLW as a name is on notice. AFL. Breaking news, beef. Breaking news. Do you like that one? Well, uh, I'm intrigued. That is from a genuine AFL journalist. Well, well this is where I was going to say that sounded far too genuine yep. to be a lie. Mm. It's real news. Possibly. I mean, that's AFL slice slash woke news. It, it was. Um, I was considering uh, AFL woke news. Bit too long, isn't it? Yeah, it would have been. Um, oh, but that's... I haven't. We haven't dug the AFL lies out for ages. So I thought when I saw that, I thought, oh, let's do it. I I hope they change it. AFLE to just just to show how stupid everything has become. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And what I'm going to be most intrigued about is to see if women will stand up in unified voice and say, "No, we are women." Oh, interesting take. That that's what I want to see. It's on them. It's nothing to do with us men. That's right. Go for it. Equal. Your league, do what you want. Equal pay, Rob. Equal pay. If, if you're foolish enough to go down that road and change the W and E, that's your problem. You A- deal with it after that. AFLE. Uh, pick a number, Rob. 178. Well, I was nearly on the right page, weirdly enough. Right. 178. Okay, 178 in Gags of David Boom. Very quick, this is. All right. Get a sack. During an Ashes tour of Australia between the wars, one barrager wasn't satisfied with telling England's Patsy Hendren to get a bag when the fieldsman dropped a catch. Instead, the fan yelled out, You ought to use a great big sack! To which Hendren replied, I would if I had one as big as your mouth. I mean, that's well down the list, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's just a token one-liner response. Yeah. It's, that's... it's sort of like something my old boss would, would have said. Um, in fact, his is probably better than that. <laughs> but, and that's that's rest, that's considered and written down yeah. and put in a book. I, just, I mean, I've already said it, but they just should have made it shorter. It's way too long. Yeah. No, oh. no, no comedian would even... Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's sign language, mm. which is all his best stand-up, of like his 1980s and 90s that took him years to write and hone and make into, uh, you know, a, a worldwide acclaimed piece of art. Right. His book is about 60 pages long. Really? Who the hell does David Boone think going for 300 odd? 300 pages. The of, nerve uh, of it. 372 pages, Robert. I David mean, it's, it's, it had no chance. Some of it's not great, as we well know. That's, I mean, it's, it's yeah, just leave that. I think it speaks for itself. We've got, we got other yeah. stuff to do at the minute. It's and that, so that one, I, on. I did get that joke. That didn't go oh, over my head. It wasn't a joke. That was just a, a bit it, of a It really story. wasn't a joke. Nah, it's not. Should we do that? It, it's almost as good as saying, oh, oh you're, you're a big fat loser. Oh, whatever you are. That's pretty much what that was. Yeah, that's right. I've stolen this, Rob. Yeah. Oh, chimpanzee that monkey news. I I wondered because to be honest, I've heard that quite a lot. I did used to listen to the old Ricky Gervais show. <laughs> that was and, a great uh, show. Oh, and they did have monkey news. Monkey news. They did have monkey news. Chimpanzee that. Oh, I didn't want to just blatantly copy this segment and use this thing. That's really that's straight out. We now. did. In I mean, all fairness, we, we're allowed to have monkey news if we want yeah, to. Yeah. No, no one has exclusive and we've rights. We've been over... doing lots of monkey news recently. 
Yeah, it's just uh, monkey stories or something. Yeah. This one is... I can do another thing. Just like a... <laughs> Humans love booze because our monkey ancestors were all getting drunk on rotten fruit. Really? That's yeah. a stretch. Our oh. monkey ancestors could be the reason humans have developed a taste for alcohol. Scientists say. Yeah. After research shows, our ape cousins enjoyed naturally fermenting fruit. The drunken monkey theory. Drunken monkey. Yeah. Is based the, uh, this theory, like this is actually like a, a written... Yep, is based uh, on modern-day apes who seek out overripe fermented fruit for the alcohol. Is, someone, is this someone's thesis? Yep, researchers believe that the smell of alcohol led our ancestors to ripe and nutritious fruit millions of years ago. Although just a theory when it, when it was first proposed by University of California Berkeley biologist Professor Robert Dudley in 2014, new evidence amongst modern monkeys seems to support it. The latest study by primatologist Professor Christina Campbell of California State University looked at fruit collected from black-handed spider monkeys in Panama. Along with her team, they found the alcohol content in the ripened fruit discarded was typically between 1% and 2% by volume, about half the strength of beer. Uh, researchers collected urine from these free-ranging monkeys and found it contained secondary metabolites of alcohol. The result shows that the animals were actually using the alcohol for energy. It wasn't just passing through their bodies. That would be a great uh, band name, that black-handed spider monkey. The black-handed spider monkeys? Or just From or, hell! Not that. Just oh. black-handed spider okay, monkey. right, yeah. The black, or, actually, that will work. They both work. Okay, thanks, mate. Uh, Professor Campbell said, For the first time, we have been able to show without a shadow of a doubt the wild primates with no human interference consume fruit containing ethanol. This is just one study and more needed to be mm. done, but it looks like there may be some truth to that drunken monkey hypothesis that the productivity proclamation Whatever that word is, the proclivity of humans to consume alcohol stems from a deep-rooted affinity of fruit-eating primates Mm. for naturally occurring ethanol within ripe fruit. However, Professor Dudley said that he doubts the monkeys get drunk in the same way humans do. Hmm, no shit, Sherlock. I'd also doubt it. Uh, Well, it's good, though. I like the idea of monkeys uh, having a good old time of it. Mm. And uh, getting some enjoyment, getting some nutrients, as well as a perhaps, nice little uh, lift. Perhaps it just uh, manages their inhibitions a little bit around other hey. monkeys. So they don't need to go smashing seagulls on a post. <laughs> you know, do you know, after you, uh, that story's been very popular. Oh, is it? It's popping up all over the place oh, now. Well, after have... you, you, you're the, you broke it, sorry. I broke it. We've got a lot of listeners, at least three. Let's do this. Is it better than the beef? Probably. Yeah, what do you got? A race car driver who was blinded in an accident 10 years ago broke the Guinness World Record by driving a customised car at a speed of 211 miles an hour. Dan Parker took to the track at Spaceport America in Truth or Consequences. There is a city, a town, called Truth or Consequences in New Mexico, Rob. How about that? How about that? That's not beef or bust this week. In his customised Corvette... He broke the world record for the fastest speed for a car driven blindfolded. Parker reached a top speed of 211 miles an hour, beating the previous world record of 200.5 miles an hour. Parker achieved the record on the 10-year anniversary of the day he was blinded in a racing accident. He used an audio guidance system to help him control the vehicle during his attempt. The record attempt was part of the National Federation of the Blinds Blind Driver Challenge. We have not only demonstrated that a blind person can operate a vehicle safely, but that we can do it at over 200 miles per hour, Parker told the Sun News. 
So is that better than the well, beef? Well, they're driving in like a desert open I space. I reckon or? so. New Mexico. I think it would be. I don't think he's done it on the public road. He's Rob. not two hundred eleven mile road. an hour. He is just driving blindfolded, like you say, on an open paddock with a guidance system. But but there's a chance he could die. There is a chance he could die. He's already blind. So for, for that reason. I'm afraid, Beef, that is better. Oh, he's gone above me in he, the Guinness he, he World is, Records. It was, it's tight. I thought. It I mean, you be. could argue that that we could have died driving those on those freeways. What about in um, Aspen, Abu Dhabi, yeah. when we got lost in the in the desert on the that dunes? Was, well, that was mental. We wouldn't have died, <laughs> but I thought that was the craziest decision you've. <laughs> That was the dumbest thing you did. Well, that that was in. The, so, just for the people who want to know, <laughs> we're we're, go, we're driving home, and I'm on this weird uh, navigation system with a slight delay that occasionally seems to go some stupid places. Yeah. We're on the freeway, and there was this weird little sort of side road. side road thing you could it's turn it, off and onto. It said get off, didn't and it? it said get off, jump off. So I said, oh, okay, jump off here, beef, without really looking at the road. Oh, well, this isn't a proper road. Mm. And then it was to take us across a desert. Dirt road in the middle of nowhere, basically, and in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, but but kind of there's kind of some suburban streets not too far, yeah. but we were in a deserty part, mm. and there was a road for maybe a hundred meters if that, yeah. that basically then disappeared. But this thing is still saying carry on your merry way and beefy the nutter in our crappy little car floors it and we're going through sand and almost getting stuck and we go up this hill he can't even see what's happening and we barrel off into a suburban street on the other side i don't think we after, even did i think we jumped back on the freeway i think we were we couldn't get through that it was a fence at the it end. was the most unnecessary risk of all time yeah i agree with you there i was actually going to talk more about the time when you ignored the sign after the x games winter games uh, saying oh look be careful black ice on the road and you just totally ignored it and just drove normal and then we hit black ice and almost slid off the road. We did go sideways for quite a long time yeah. on the freeway. Yeah. yeah, that was very poor. At 100 miles, uh, not 100 miles an hour, 60 miles um, an hour. So if, if you take these things into account, but that, they weren't sort of intentional, they were accidents really. They yeah. Weren't, they weren't risks. It wasn't doing but 211 miles an hour wasp I think blindfold 200, it just sounds better than I was the world's greatest spectator. Okay, no worries. Because chance of death rating. Chance know? of death rating, that's it, exactly. Hey, I bought a new book this week. It What's is it called? called On This Day in Sport. Remember when we used to do What Day Is That? Yeah. And we used to come up with all these weird what day it was. Now we can keep it more relevant. Well, this one is On This Day in Sport. So if I open up to 12th of April, 1965, the first indoor Major League Baseball regular season game was played when the hometown Houston Astros well, lost. The one to- we went to. Lost to the Philadelphia Phillies 2-0 at the Astrodome. So there you go. The one we went to, Beef. Although they've got a new stadium now. Although Minute Maid Park is indoor. You're right. Yeah, with the train. With the train. They used to play at the Astrodome, Houston Astros, which is an older stadium which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, On this day, 2004, Rob, West Indian captain Brian Lara became the first man to score 400 in a test match when he reached a landmark in an unbeaten innings during the fourth test against England in Antigua in an innings lasting 770 three minutes faced 582 balls and hit 43 fours and four sixes lara's innings beat the record of 380 set by australian open matthew hayden against zimbabwe and perth in 2003 which shouldn't even count sugar ray robinson died on this day in 1967 and in 1987 1967 aged 67 in 1989 sorry also 1987 larry mize sank a famous 50 yard wedge 
on the second playoff hole, defeating Greg Norman and Seve Balasiris for the Masters title. Balasiris three-putted the first playoff hole to drop out after the trio had tied on 285 in hot conditions with lightning-fast greens. A few sports days. Yeah, I'm just looking through the birth dates. Australian middle distance runner John Landy, born in 1930. Johnny Raper, the uh, Australian Rugby League legend, 1939. Bobby Moore, England Soccer captain, 941. Australian tennis player, Yelena Dokic. Dokic. Happy birthday, Yelena. Yep. 1983. So that makes her nearly as old as me. Not quite. 44, I think. No, no, no. Younger, three years younger than me. 38. 39. So it's 2022, 20, Rob. Yeah. So she's 39. Well done, Elaine. I hope you're doing well. So what? A, I'm I'm loving this book. So we will be doing that every week. New sting required, please, Roberto. Oh. On this day in sport. Uh, the other thing I saw this. Um, it's not today, but it was recently. Hence why it's in the news. The dog farting awareness day started in 2014. It's celebrated annually on April the 8th, but it highlights the way a canine's gas passing habits can offer insight into the animal's health. I don't see this day becoming more prolific. The holiday began in 2013 with dog owners and organizations, including the Animal Rescue League of Iowa and the Heritage Humane Society in Virginia, spreading the word with memes and hashtags. Dog Farting Awareness Day is now a day for animal organizations and dog lovers to share tips about canine digestive health. Flatulence in dogs is most commonly caused by canines swallowing air whilst eating. Well, then why don't they say flatulence? It's a far nicer word than saying farting. Dog flatulence, or you know, at least that's at least it's, it seems more in line with some sort of medical thing, you know. Okay. As opposed to sort of going he 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 he. We said fart he he lame. Is there any other? I don't like these days. I know that. Excessive farting accompanied by vomiting or diarrhea can be a sign of more serious health issues. Oh, oh really? Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought of you vomiting and shitting yourself that, that you're not quite well? I'm just saying, Rob. Brilliant. Saying. We need a day for that. We do. Hey, bro, if we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass... No grass? Would you eat me to survive? Oh, bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. This is Daniel Ricardo, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Oh, that music can only mean one thing, Rob. What's that, Time beef? Time for Sporting Gladiators. Time for the challenge of the century. Challenge of the century. No, I have to get my phone out today. Do you? Because uh, one of these is... I... Is a musical question. N- no, no. Oh, okay. No, Sorry. it's because there's. I couldn't be bothered. I'm giving you a top twenty to choose from from this top quiz because 20? it really is a bit hard. Okay, fair enough. If you haven't got the gist of what we're doing, it's a quiz, people. And I'm going to give you a clue as well. Oh, thanks, mate. It is time for sporting gladiators. We ask each other three sporting questions. The answers have a minimum of five answers. There is a top prize of fifteen points on offer. It is. Whoever scores the most points over the three rounds of mm-hmm. questions will win Sporting Gladiators for this week. So we're going to kick things off with boxing for you, Rob. Oh, what? Mike Tyson yep. lost six fights in his career to five fighters. Yeah. Who are the five fighters he lost to? Mike Tyson lost to Evander Holyfield. Yep. He lost to Lennox Lewis. He did. He lost to... When was the comeback thing? I don't think he ever lost before he went to jail. But who are those fighters around then? 
Uh, I'm going to say Michael Moore. Nope. Uh, I should be able to remember more than this, but I've just got a bit of a blank. I think they're going to be the only two I'm going to get, but I'm going to throw in Riddick Bow. Nope. I don't think they ever fought. And who else? Who's from very recent times? Knocked him out. Someone else got him real, not so, you know, before just sort of the end of his comeback. I can't even think of anyone. Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather? Yeah. Well, you missed the obvious one for Which us, is... James Buster Douglas. Ah, uh, that's who I... That was the one that ended the, the reign. The 30-1 to one underdog. Yeah, that's what and I was... then he lost the last two fights of his career. Danny Williams, the English guy. Got that. And then Kevin McBride was his last fight. Should have got Buster Douglas. You that, should have got Buster Douglas. That's the one that I was trying to go for. Right. Um, okay. This is for, oh, from the top 20. I want yep. five tour players and golf player, golfers, professional men, that average the longest drives on the tour. And I'm okay. going to tell you this. Bryson DeChambeau is not in there. He's not in the top 20. He's been injured for this year, so he's uh, not. He's okay. barely been playing. He's been injured, and there's all this stuff about the Rebel right. League going on. Okay. Well, I have no idea because I don't watch golf in the slightest. So I'm going to say Victor Hovland. No. Rory McElroy. Yes. Wow. He's, he's second. Is he? Yeah. He's one of the biggest hitters, yeah. All right. Um, well, let's go with the Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, he'll be close. No, he just, no. he's, he's a, he, but he is a, see, that's the thing. He's a big hitter. Is he? But he's not on average. Obviously average doesn't. Right. Let's go. Who's the other dude? Who has the, the rift with Bryson? I can't even remember what he's called. Is that Victor Hovland on the US tour? I don't even know. Okay. Yeah, he is. Let's go for John Ram. He's in there. He's in there. Okay. Right. I'm surprised I, by that actually. I don't, I have no idea if he hits it long or not. Um, let's pick another one. So I think you've got one left, have you? Okay, let's say Carlos Ortiz. I think he's, a, bo- he's a boxer. I don't think even think he's a golfer. No, he's not on here. Nah. That's five for me. I've got no idea. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, let's pick one out, out of the dark. Let's say Cam Smith. No. No? No. Okay. So the one you're thinking of with the riff with Bryson DeChambeau is Brooks Kepka. Oh, that's him, yeah. And he's 20th. Is, oh, is he? Yeah. Right. There's, uh, there's a few in there. So Justin Thomas is he's oh, in there. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy called Will Zalatoris, who's a oh, guy. Oh, Will! He did well in a tournament. He did, he did pretty well in the Masters the last two years. He's, he came um, second last year in the Masters. He's Happy Gilmore's mate. Isn't That's he? the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The guy who's first is called Cameron Champ. Oh, the Champ. The only other guy I might have gotten this is Matthew Wolf. He it's a big. They call him, call him the Wolf. He it's a big ball. Yeah. Oh, what about uh, Andrew Beef Johnson? Is he in there? He Dustin, play on the Dustin US. Johnson. Nah, Andrew, Andrew Johnson. Beef. Yeah, he's no, he's on the European tour. He's well, but there's something's not because Dustin Johnson isn't in here. Right. And it's very early. in the I think season. he hasn't been playing much. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and Adam Scott normally is in there. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just surprised. He's got a very easy swing. Just hits the ball very well, obviously. Give us the yeah. top five while we know McElroy. Cameron Champ, Rory McElroy, Cameron Young. No, I don't know. Uh, Johatton Vegas. Oh, Jonathan Vegas. Jonathan Vegas. Oh, yeah. Is sure. that the new South African guy, 6'9"? No, I think he's, uh, I, I don't know. And Joseph think. Bramlett. <laughs> Joey B. Yeah. Never yeah. heard of him. Lot Never of, heard lot of, of him. Most, that's why I went to 20, because most of them I haven't heard okay. of. So All you right. got three, didn't you? Two. I couldn't think of Brooks Kepka. I should have. All right. Here you go, Rob. Name five... Of the eight runners from the 1988 Olympic 100 meter final, five of the eight, one and two are obvious. Are you serious? Yeah. How the hell am I going to know that? 
two are unbelievable. Carl Lewis, Ben Johnson. Right, there you go. That's it. Are you going to have a stab at the uh, Linford Christie. Yeah, he's in there. Okay. So you've got three out of three so far. Two more guesses. I don't know any who, one who would have been else around there. Him on the way out. Who would have been like 84? Is there anyone floating around there? Who's that guy he went against in the long jump? Carl Lewis went against in the long jump. Mike Powell, is that his name? Mike Powell. He was in the long jump? Yeah, he wasn't 100 metres. He, wasn't 100 meter he should have been. I don't know what his time was over 100 metres. I'm just trying to think of any athlete I can think of <laughs> from that time. 200 metre, 400 metre. Uh, there's no way that... Um, what's his name, that guy? Michael Johnson. He he never really ran hundreds. No. Nah. Okay, Calvin Smith. Donovan Bailey. He was around that time. I think he was just a bit later, actually. Calvin Smith... Got upgraded, obviously. Dennis Mitchell, then you wouldn't have got the other three. Robson De Silva, Desai Williams, a Canadian race steward, the Jamaican. I, I wouldn't have got any of them. We well, got three, so that wasn't bad. All oh, right, so I'm on five. Five, you're on two. Yes. Okay, one day internationals. Oh, yeah. Top five spin bowling wicket takers. Well, Muralithran and Warren. No, not Warren. Not worn in one day. In one day international. Okay, not worn. Shahida Freedy. Yep. Not worn. No worn. Wow. Ravi Ashwin. No. No. Unless I missed them, I'm sure I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go Habajan Singh then. No. Okay then. Is that it? That's five. Yeah. Gosh. Anil Kumble. Apple Kumble. Yeah. Get this one. Sanath Jayasuriya. Yeah, I knew it'd be a Sri Lankan. Is the fourth. other one Rangana Harath? Nah, Danny Vittori. Danny Vittori. 305, so chain was uh, 295, isn't he, I think? Uh, 296, yeah. Yeah. Well. There we go, so you got two. Two, five, four. Uh, talking about one day internationals in cricket, Rob. Oh, no. Only five Kiwi bowlers have taken four or more wickets on nine or more occasions. On nine occasions in one day, is they've taken four or more wickets. Only mm. five have ever done it ever. Yep, David Tory. Yeah, he's won weirdly enough. Uh, one day wickets. I can't imagine Chris Harris has done it. Okay, let's got to go to recent times. Trent Bolt. Yes. Who else is current that's been around? Oh, you got to go Selvi. Nope. Okay. Has Kenzie have done it nine times? Um, I'm trying to think of long careers. Chris Martin, I don't think, played a lot of one-days at all. There's no one else from the current crop that's been playing long enough. I'll chuck in Chris Kenz. Nope. No. One more guess. It's not going to be Danny Morrison. I'll chuck in Chris Harris. No, he's oh, not Oh, in Gavin there Larson, I was going to say. No, he's not in there Okay, either. good. Shane Bond... Ah, oh, yes, of course. Matt Henry. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, he's up to 11 already. 11 now, okay. And here's the one I didn't think you'd get. Kyle Mills. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have got this. So I, did I get nine, one then? Two. Bolt and Vittori. Bolt and Vittori. So I'm on seven. Yep. And you're on four. Yep. All right. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is, this is good. Well, I'm getting you, you can choose from the top ten. Yeah. And one day internationals again. Oh, right. The top 10 batsmen who have hit the most runs off and over. The top, okay. Oh, so In off, one day off, one, Yeah, off one over. So from the okay. top 10, you All can right. take yeah, any yeah. five. All right. I would suggest Chris Gale's in there. 
He's actually not. I thought he was. I was okay. sure he was. I, I thought there was a when he got that double hundred in the World Cup. I thought he hit a thirty oh, over. But yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you this: it's thirty-one or above. Thirty-one or above. Yeah. I've got a feeling somebody did in a World Cup, didn't they? I will also say this: there's only there's four minio games, but oh, yeah, but, yeah. but 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 no, no, but only, sh- only one of them is both minnows. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so of the other nine options, they've all got. I think Asafa did it against Holland, and I'm going to say it was someone like Herschel Gibbs. It was Herschel Gibbs. So he's the first, uh, yeah. uh, first equal, and he took 36 off yeah. South Africa against the now, Netherlands. This isn't my guess, but I think Yuvraj Singh did it. But I think it was a 2020 against England off Stuart Broad. I'm going to say Yuvraj Singh. Nah, it was a 2020, wasn't it? Okay. So, two minnows. John Davidson, Canada. Sorry, he got hit four or he no, hit them? No, he hit them. No, no. he's not there because he got... No, under- Canada do feature, but they're on the receiving end. All oh, right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so they were... Pla- oh, and it's the same bowler, actually. You got hit. Oh. <laughs> oh, is that right? Might have oh, been. no, it's not the same oh, bowler. Okay, so I've just got to throw it out there. One day internationals, it's not... Who's hit 30-odd? Uh, You're actually on the right with the World Cup yeah. game. Yeah, is, is it Gilchrist? Nah, nah. Who were the who were the other minnow? Like who against the minnows Canada? involved? Yeah, okay, yeah. so there's one game where it's USA versus PNG. That's the second. That's the other 36. So just forget that one. So, but <laughs> the other ones they're all against minnows. So yeah, there's, yeah. in fact, it's only that Canada game. You got the Netherlands one. Yeah, yeah. The rest are all between the big teams. Oh right, okay. I've I've guessed me five anyway. No, you haven't. Yeah. No, you said Herschel Gibbs. Yeah. And then you said the second one. Do you only have to guess two? Gail, no. Then I said you oh, said Gail, Shane, you Gilchrist. Said... Oh, that's four. So you yeah, got one. one uh, and then I said John Davison of Canada. I oh. thought he might have done it. No, I didn't, take, I didn't count that oh, one. <laughs> didn't you? We're running out of time here, Rob. Well, Hit look. Me. Well, there was a World Cup game, South Africa versus the West Indies. Someone came in and hit, I think, the fastest one fifty of all time. Oh, did they? A South African batsman. Yeah, Lance Klusner? No, later. Later than Klusner? In the 2011. Oh, Quentin de Kock? 2015, actually. Mark Boucher? 2015, maybe. Oh, yeah. AB de Villiers. Yeah. So, here's the hint. So, it's J.S. Mol- Molhatra, 36 off and over. That's USA vs. PNG. All oh, right, yeah. This is a funny stat. So, uh, Pereira from Sri Lanka has yep. hit 35 off and over. Jimmy Neesham also hit him in the same game for 34 off and oh, over. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, AB Divili's on fourth equal 34. Again, yep. It's off Jason Holder as well. There's the Windies. Jimmy Neesham smacked Pereira for 34. Um, Shahida Freedy took 32. Ah, oh, Freedy, yes. Yeah, Against off, who? Uh, Sri Lanka again. Right. Bandara, I think his name is. Mm. Uh, so New Zealand playing Canada, and this is in the same game. Kane Williamson took thirty-one off Rizwan Charma, right? And James Franklin took thirty-one Jeez, off lot someone. Of Kiwis in there. Bade one, yeah. And this is the other fascinating. Corey in, in, Anderson didn't he? No, uh, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't get a, didn't get a thirty-one. So India v the West Indies is the last Ravi one. Ravi Shastri, I think he hit six six. No, this is very very recent. Oh, right. Two thousand nineteen. Right. SS Ayer. Oh, yeah, Shreyas uh, Iyer. He, yeah. he took 31. Okay. And Rizba Pant hit also at 31. Oh, okay. Off the same bowler in oh. the same game. Oh, no. R.L. Chase for the West Indies. Roston, went for 60, Roston went, Chase. Went for 62 off, off two, two overs. overs. <laughs> oh. 
and he bowled his 10. He went for 180. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, pretty tough one. Pretty tough one. Yeah, though. good but, questions. But I Herschel, like them. Herschel Gibbs. Yeah. I would have only got maybe him and AB, I reckon. Mm. Yuvraj did hit. Maybe Sheeta Freedy. Mm, yeah, forgot about him. Yuvraj did hit broad for six sixes, but that was in a 2020. Yeah. Love that. I also would have guessed Chris Gale and been wrong. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but you reckon he's 31? 30, 30, sorry. I think. Okay. And I think it was when he got his double hundred okay. in the World Cup. Ah, exciting stuff. Talking about exciting stuff. Oh, it's time up. We're out of time. I know. It's all. We've flown through tonight. Oh, jeepers. We have to thank the great people at Jack Link's Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky on the planet. Just in case you didn't know, it is the food of astronauts. Haven't been saying it enough. If you want to go to space with Elon You've been Musk saying it with less vigor. or Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson, take your Jack Link's Beef Jerky because mm. you will need it, people. You will need it. Otherwise, you won't make it. You won't come back. It'd be a shame. It'd be like that Sandra Bullock on Gravity. Oh, but she does come back, actually. Oh, so, yeah. good old Sandra. She pushed through, Beef. Did she? She pushed through. All right, not much to say. Thanks, Rob, for being uh, to wrap it fantastic. Up. I know, it's unbelievable. The people that are waiting for the Scar Show all around the world yeah. are going mad, going, what are these two blokes talking about? Yeah. Well, people, we're talking about Jack Link's Beef Jerky. We're not talking about sport. Good luck to Man City on the weekend, FA Cup semi-final. Go to the Imperial on Saturday night if you want to drink and watch football with the Man City boys. They've got those if things you're in Melbourne, there. They've got those things available. In the meantime, people, this has been episode 244 of the greatest non-sports sports radio show on the planet. 365 days of sport. See you next week.